You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Tuesday, March 9th. As always, I am your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly, certainly not always, the most Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI and Friars on Base, or maybe some of my non-baseball-related work, more my entertainment side of things at places like Nerdist, Mental Floss, and Film Cred, among many others, and hopefully more in the future. Of this here Lockdown Padres podcast, guys, you could check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres. Or you could check out my personal account, which is at Javapeno, which is J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. Hit me up on either of those two accounts with any questions, comments, or concerns that you might have, and I'll do my very old best to answer them and even answer them here on the show. Fun show today, guys. Uh, Going to be continuing my my 10 questions thing that I started yesterday, the part one. The first five were yesterday, so be sure to listen to that if you haven't already. And then today, going to be talking about the last five questions I have for the Padres heading into their 2021 season. But before we get into all of that, let's talk quickly about today's spring training action. The Padres defeated the Chicago White Sox, who the White Sox are basically kind of honestly the the American League version of the Padres. If the Padres had it broke out and if they didn't have Tatis, for example, on their team as being the most exciting player, uh, the White Sox would be, in my opinion, the team that everybody would be bandwagon. They still still should be bandwagon to an example, but uh, the Padres won by a score of 4-2. to two. Blake Snell was a starter for it today. He went two innings, giving up one hit, no earned runs, no walks, and striking out one. In terms of some other pitching performances, Ryan Weathers, who might be a sneaky kind of guy to maybe fill in and you know step up for the team after they had their bullpen injuries, he goes two innings, giving up two hits, um, only one earned run, walking one, and striking out one, so not his best performance. Drew Pomeranz appears again, and he was Drew Pomeranz again. He goes one inning, striking out two. Emilio Pagan goes one inning, walking two, but then, or I'm sorry, walking one, and then striking out two. And then uh, a bunch of other guys, Taylor Williams goes in there, Evan Miller makes an appearance, and most interestingly, and we're going to get about this, uh, we're going to get to this later on the pod, Miguel Diaz uh, ends up being the guy to close out the game, going one inning and striking out one with no hits and no walks. Um, in terms of the offense, though, really cool to see uh, Mr. Will Byers hits his second home run of the spring uh, session so far. Uh, Luis Campizano had an RBI. Tucapita Marcano had an RBI. He is potentially vying for one of those last uh, um, bench spots for the team. We're going to have to see if he keeps this up. Maybe we'll see if he ends up making the team. That'd be cool for him, of course. We got a double from Machado, which is always great to see. And we got a good old-fashioned uh, Eric Hosmer grounding into a double play. I'm not going to be beaten. There really isn't too much more to point out about that. To me, spring training games the only thing I usually care about. Is just who are going to make those final spots, you know what I mean? Just seeing these random games when Hosmer gets a, a double play and Machado has a double or Myers has a second home run of the session so far. it's not, That doesn't really uh, mean too much, but I still feel like I should talk about it for sake of giving you guys content and for you hearing my lovely voice. And... Man, let me tell you guys, today it really hit hard how excited I am for the Padres just because I finished the list and whatnot, and we're going to get to that in one second, uh, of my five questions, and I was just like, oh man, what the heck, I want these answered now. 
Like, what's going on here? I don't want to wait. This is dumb. And it's also kind of rough right now because I watch the NBA. There's no NBA basketball going on right now. So that's it's just really tough times. But um, I'm really curious uh, what you guys, uh, if you guys have any of your thoughts of what you do, if you really hate watching spring trading, what you do to pass the time sometimes, if you're a big baseball fan, what do you think? I'd love to hear back from you guys. But um, now before we get into, before I introduce the the next segment, I want to just mention that I recorded this um, last night because I've been really busy the past couple days working on some articles and stuff. Stuff, working on another thing for baseball FYI um, actually and you guys might enjoy that I'm really looking forward to when that eventually comes out but uh, I was a little bit busy uh, the past 24 hours I guess so I recorded this after the fact so there's guys mentioned in there like Keone Kella who I mentioned a couple things about him about his stats at the moment so those are obviously a little bit off considering that he made an appearance today so just want to point that out for you guys and before anyone sends me any angry comments or anything like that but before we kind of officially uh, introduce that next segment, guys, get to the real heart of the show. I need to talk to you about something oh so wonderful. That is rockauto.com. Vroom, vroom, vroom. Everybody, we need to talk about cars for a second. That's right. RockAuto.com, they're a family business, first and foremost, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts and tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. They really do have everything, whether it's for your classic or daily driver, and you can get all that stuff delivered directly to your door, which is really convenient and helpful during the times that we're in right now. The rockauto.com catalog is also really you know, unique, honestly, in a lot of ways. It's really easy to navigate, which is even more important, especially if you're a schmuck like me that doesn't really know what they're doing all, uh, most of the time. Uh, quickly see all the parts available for whatever of your vehicle is that you so choose to drive and choose the brand, specifications, and prices that you prefer. And best of all, best of all, this is the Zinger. Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and they're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Does that make any any sense at all? I don't really think it does. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. How'd you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And now, guys, really quickly, let me talk to you about Locked On Bets. It is a great podcast that was launched by the network a couple months ago. It's really good. Um, you know, you're betting on baseball, for example, uh, but it doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the Lou Locked On Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Those guys are killing it, though. I tune into that podcast every now and then, and they're right more often than not. Actually, remarkably right uh, more often than that. It's pretty insane. Those guys know what they're talking about. So follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, guys. Here we are. Let's get into it. The remainder of my 10 questions for the uh, 2021 Padres, guys. Yesterday, we did uh, you know the first five. Go listen to that if you haven't. Now, let's begin. Number six. On my list of 10 questions for the 2021 Padres is a lovable fella. And he's the guy who broke out for the team last year. He is the guy that, in a way, honestly, kind of predictably broke out. I mean, if some schmuck like myself predicted that he would break out, then that's when you know. Of course, I'm talking about Denelson Lamette, guys. And more specifically, the question is, how healthy is Denelson Lamette? 
Last year, the guy finished as a top five Cy Young, borderline, you know, superstar pitcher in terms of the 60 game sample size, finishing with a 2.09 ERA, a whip of 0.86, and an astounding caper night of 12.13. He was fantastic, guys. He was fantastic. And it's funny to think back when this guy was, you know, uh, he, he basically in 2019, he only appears. For the final two months of 2019, but he was great in those final two months. 3.6 ERA, more than 70, you know, 75 strikeouts in that amount of time. Showed the strikeout potential and all that, and started showing, I think, his stuff. And he, the, you know, there was potential there. So it wasn't as surprising, I think, honestly, that the Delta Lube broke out last year. But the big, th- big thing is how healthy is he? He has this, you know, biceps tendonitis thing, and it cost in the postseason. As I have reiterated over and over that the Padres were so unlucky with both Lamette and Mike Clevenger going down right when the postseason hit, like a week before the postseason starts. And my question is, how healthy is the guy? And here's the thing. I've said on the podcast before, I do not trust, quite frankly, any team when it comes to injuries and whatnot, but I definitely don't trust the Padres. I mean, Mike Clevenger is supposed to be a scope, and all of a sudden, next day, it's like Tommy John surgery. It wasn't just a scope for... You're old, oh yeah, we just got to clean out the arm and whatnot on the bone chips. No, it was even worse, and he's out for this season. And what maybe makes things a little bit more disturbing is that Lamette throws a whole lot of sliders, as everybody may know. Uh, he threw them a whopping uh, 53% of the time this last season, and he also throws really, really hard. So I'm worried about that, you know what I mean? Especially with, with the biceps thing, I feel like that can affect your slider, and based on how hard he throws, this could be an injury that might take him some time to get over, and... He's kind of the type of guy that who's who when he's at like 96 pitches, he throws one at like 100 miles per hour, and you're watching on your TV in the the eighth inning or whatever, and you're like, what the hell? <laughs> How does he still have that in him? So I'm a little bit scared that based on the way he pitches, that this injury uh, might affect him even longer. If it doesn't, and he's ready to go, and the Padres properly, you know, monitor him and make sure they don't push him too much, then. The guy's going to be an absolute stud, uh, hopefully, anyway, as long as people don't catch onto his slider somehow the way they caught onto, I guess, Chris Paddock's thing last year. No, that's, that's a really bad comp, but my point stands the same. How healthy is Lamette? If Lamette is not healthy and he's not well, if he doesn't play, if he misses a lot of time, I still think the Padres' rotation is quite good because of the acquisitions of Blake Snell and Yu Darvish and potentially of Joe Musgrove. But I think that it takes them from being an S-tier rotation to potentially a very high A kind of rotation, potentially, if, if things shake up with the, the rest of those four guys uh, making up for the absence or um, not great quality of, of Lamette, potentially. So, yeah, it's really as simple as that. How healthy is the guy? How healthy is the guy? Lamette, please be healthy. We love you so much. He's fantastic. Can't wait to see a pitch this year. My next question, number seven on my list, is another one that's not as small, but it's one that I feel like we're not talking about enough. We've kind of, as Padres fans, I feel like we've all just accepted that the guy is better than what we used to have, so we haven't really almost critiqued him all that much, and that's, of course, Mr. Austin Nola. My question is, can Austin Nola hold down the fort? And I say hold down the fort specifically because one of the top prospects that the Padres have is Luis Campizano who is a, you know, a superstar type slugger potentially in the making. You know, he's been killing it over in the minor leagues and he might be ready to be called up at some point, who knows. Uh and the the acquisition of Jason Castro, I also think means that we shouldn't expect him to come soon and the whole rest situation that we have to monitor. But back to Austin Nola. The thing about him last year is once he got actually traded to the Padres, 
He wasn't all that particularly great having a slash knife 222, 324, 381. The slugging is especially bad. And he wasn't very good in the postseason going only 2 for 17. So, you know, I'm just saying, is the guy, did he just have a really great 30-game stretch, half first half season stretch, and the Padres traded for him, and we're all just kind of happy because he's better than what we had with Austin Hedges and Francisco Mejia. And in fairness, in fairness, in in Nola's favor, he was pretty good um, defensively. He threw out a decent amount of runners. He wasn't as good. He kind of improved that. I remember I, I talked about the podcast for my favorite moments is when he, in his first start for the Padres at the backstop, he threw out two runners trying to steal second, which was awesome. But you know, we regard Austin Hedges as this great defensive wizard, and he basically is. But in fairness, last year, if you look at things like like pitch framing, he was actually 13th on the list among all qualified catchers, which is really good. And that's that was actually higher last year than what Austin Hedges did. Austin Hedges, yeah, finished according to StatCast at ranked <laughs> as number 33, which is quite low for him, especially in terms of pitch framing, but I understand he's still really good behind the backstop. He's excellent, and you know, I'm not saying Austin Nola that he's just this JT Real Munto type of thing, but it is nice that he at least isn't deplorable defensively as some other great catchers in the league are, like maybe a Gary Sanchez out of New York or something like that, so... That, I will say, is in his favor, but I'm wondering, are we all not you know, paying enough attention to what he might potentially be doing um, behind the plate in terms of his bat? I mean, in fairness, there are some cool signs I looked at, like simple things like breaking ball uh, pitches. He was hitting 230 against them in 2019. He improved that to 306 in 2020, including three home runs off of them, three of his seven home runs off of them. He only had... Uh, three home runs in total on breaking balls uh, the previous year, so that's kind of nice. Granted, you know, a little bit smaller of a sample size, and like I said, did he just have a great first half and get traded, and did the Padres buy really high on him? I'm not totally sure, and I'm wondering to see, you know, what's his rapport going to be with some of these guys? What's his rapport going to be with you, Darvish and Blake Snell? How is he going to be able to fit with... um, Chris Paddock, who famously, you know, really wanted to use Austin Edges as a catcher, and that didn't really pan out for him at all uh, last season. So hopefully he can be uh, a good defensive catcher. Just be solid enough. If this is a guy that bats like 250 with a 340 on base and is like a top 15 catcher defensively, that's fine because the rest of the Padres lineup is going to make up for it. You know what I mean? You don't need your best position to be catcher. So I'm still optimistic on Austinola. I'm just wondering, can he hold down the fort until hopefully Luis Campizano is ready to be called up? That's remains to be seen, at least in my opinion. Now, guys, before we get into the last three questions of my list, I need to talk to you about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. They even cover awards, TV shows, and reality TV. They've got all sorts of things. They got more, of course, of real-time, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. It's really great. They've got you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Just the guys to let you know some baseball-related things. They just added their manager of the year odds uh, for both the American League and the National League. But in terms of National League, uh, just to you know, give you guys a little bit of a taste, Brian Sinker of the Atlanta Braves is plus 700. Dave Roberts for the Dodgers plus 800. Don Mattingly for the Miami Marlins plus 800, which I think is a little bit too high for him. And then Jace Tingler at plus 800, our beloved Jace Tingler. And you can read the rest of them. Lucas Rojas is uh, plus 900 for the Mets. I actually like Dave Martinez of the Washington Nationals. He's plus 1400. I think that's really, really low. I think the Nationals could be a 
they fit the narrative of a type of team that people forget about and they kind of, you know, have a little bit of a bounce back and then everybody starts loving Dave Martinez. So that's what I could see happening. But anyway, guys, uh, make sure to uh, head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Remember to use your promo code LOCKED ON when you do that. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, guys. Now let's keep the ball rolling. My last three questions for the 2020 Padres. Here we go, ladies and gents. Let's get right through them. Let's just keep the ball rolling. I'm so excited, all right? Here's a one that I've been mentioning forever. It's not uh, necessarily all that unique uh, amongst a lot of people because it's one of the more surprising things that happened for the Padres last year. But still, I have to have it on there. It's, it's odd brand. It is, are Will Myers and Eric Hosmer legit? And what I want to do is I want to talk about a DM that somebody sent me, Andres Rivera, on Twitter, at Andy underscore 6253. He sent me a long DM saying, as you can tell, I'm a big Myers dude. Might be because every time I go to a game here in Denver at Coors Field, he somehow does wonders. I mean, a home run to take a lead on a 3-2 pitch in the top of the ninth with two outs, or heck, I even saw the cycle he hit a few years ago in person, which was wild. But I just thought it would be nice to point out that as the human part of everyone, don't you think he might have not produced the numbers he did last year because all the pressure was put on him? He was the main guy for years, but now that he's got help, he's more confident at the plate because if he messes up, he knows he's got a team that can back him up. Also, it doesn't help that he had a bad relationship with Andy Green as well. Let me know your thoughts. Keep up the good work, bro. I added that last part just to make myself feel better. Uh, but thank you, Adris, for reaching out about that point. I think it's a great point. I, oftentimes in baseball, we all get obsessed with numbers and whatnot. And Eric Cosmer, you know, he's a good numbers example. For his, can he repeat? We're all looking at the launch angle stuff. He's one of the worst launch angle guys in the entire league. He lifted balls barely above like my height of 5'9", and then he, you know, hit a bunch of ground balls and none of them escaped out through the infield. He just wasn't very good. For Myers, I agree. Oftentimes as baseball fans, we get really obsessed with stats. We get obsessed with that and we forget. Now, I understand that stats in baseball are a lot more predictive and pretend of future things to come than, say, other sports, at least in my opinion, right? And most other people's opinions. But we do forget the human element. Is Will Myers just one of these chilled, laid-back guys that performs better when he doesn't feel like he has to be the guy? It's possible. We know those people in our everyday lives as regular people. You know what I mean? Every one of you listening to this podcast, you know a person that does a lot better when they're just kind of the the beta, per se. They're, They're the fourth most important person on the team. And I think that that might be the case for Myers. I mean, this is a guy that was hitting for contact last year hitting 288 which was great and the slugging percentage was obviously through the roof at 606 OPS of 959 I mean Mo Myers wasn't exceptional he even brought back down to earth his like way too over the top bad strikeout percentage of 2019 which was at 34.2 percent he brought that to 25.7 percent which was the lowest um that he'd had in a while, uh, below 27.4 the year before 2018, 2017, and 2016 at 27.7. But it's still not great in terms of his strikeout percentage. He doesn't walk too much uh, in comparison. But still, I I am wondering. I'm wondering, you know, is this legit? I don't really know. I guess you could point to the personality thing, the, the human traits. Can he keep this up? And it's not like he's too old. He's approaching his age 30 season. Maybe this is the point when he figures it out. It's just... It is pretty rare for a guy to figure it out at this point in his career when we've seen such a sample size of him not figuring out. And basically the majority of his career, he's only been useful when it comes to fantasy baseball thanks to his counting spats and his his low-key really good uh, speed on the base pats. 
So that's my that's arguably one of the biggest questions for the Padres this season. Even if those two aren't good, I still expect them to have a pretty good offense. But they're going to be keys to um, whether or not they can have like the truly S tier offense that they had last year. So I'll be paying attention to that. Let's move on to the next question, though, guys. Number nine of my ten questions is a kind of a simple one that's been more complicated ever since uh, kind of some of the things that unfolded over the offseason. That's who's the closer going to be? I won't talk about this one too much because honestly, I don't think, I think it's the least interesting question out of the bunch, but I am still curious to see who gets the most amount of save opportunities. I don't think it necessarily matters. I still think what matters more is just, you know, how good is the Padres bullpen going to be as a whole? Can guys like Emilio Pagan, you know, bounce back from their uh, kind of uh, stretch last year in the shortened season? But I would expect, I've said this before, I'm expecting Drew Pomeranz to be the closer, possibly just because I think that the contract they gave him uh, suggests that that might be closer's type of money. But they did just bring in Mark Melanson and Keone Kella. Um, We'll have to see how it shakes out. And the other thing is, you know, when it comes to closers, a lot of times managers like to use guys that have had experience. And Mark Melanson certainly has a lot more experience. I mean, he was really good last year for the Braves with a 2.78 ERA. But strikeout percentage wasn't good. Uh, his Kate per nine was only 5.56, which I'm pretty sure guys on the team like even Matt Strom were higher than. Yes, it actually literally was. He had a 6.53 K per nine. So that's not really a great sign for being able to shut people out. But it doesn't mean that he can't be a good closer. I mean, you look at... Alex Colomay last year, he was really effective for the White Sox, and he barely had a high K percentage either. So, you know, it's 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 not a, a deciding factor in it, but it's definitely something to monitor. I imagine it might be more of a committee thing, and that's kind of, I think, good uh, for the Padres. It might not be good for, like, fantasy baseball owners because they won't know who's going to get the saves, but it should be interesting. I could even see Emilio Pagan getting a couple saves every now and then, too, because that's what he did back in Tampa Bay. So what is Jace Tingler going to do with that bullpen for the final inning of games? Because is he going to be a guy that just goes on, I think this is the best dude, or is he going to incorporate some sort of thing about you know experience and having been in the moment before and veteranship like he might do with Mark Melanson or even Keona Kella and Emilio Pagan? And heck, maybe there will be a situation where they put it all, you know, Pierce Johnson. I don't know maybe if, if something happens. I, I doubt that. But, you know, I'm, I'm just throwing stuff at the wall here, guys. So that's another one of my questions. It's not that exciting, but I'm still curious to see how it pans out. Number 10, my final question for the, the top 10 questions for the Padres heading into 2021 season is a really broad one. And it's very simple, but it's the one of the more interesting things that we love about baseball and that's who is going to be the Padres breakout kind of sleeper uh this season last year it was kind of obviously either Denelson Lament or Trent Grisham I feel like nobody was really talking about those guys Grisham there were all the signs man I mean that guy was always at minimum really good at getting on base in the minors and his his skills were kind of clouded by the fact that he had a really bad defensive lapse famously in the playoffs and Denelson Lament Really great kind of showing with his strikeout potential, especially towards the the final months of the 2019 season. And then he heads into 2020 fully healthy, and then he almost wins the Cy Young Award. So those are predictable, but it's a lot less predictable to say who are going to be the breakout kind of sleepers for the team this year. I actually think I have four. One of which is a little bit obvious, and that's Hassan Kim. That all kind of is predicated on 
you know, how much time does he get and how ready he is? You know, can he hit against major league arms and, you know, at the high 90s level and hit for power and be able to play a lot of defense? I still think he's going to be a very important player for the team, but can he be like a breakout rookie of the year? Uh, I don't know. I think that one's a little bit far-fetched, at least for now. And I know yesterday I brought up on the podcast is conspiracy hobby, is AJ Preller thinking that uh, we're going to get the DH real, real soon, so that's why he wants to bring all these guys in. I don't know. I don't think that that's the case because I think he would have given him longer contracts potentially, but still we'll see how that kind of um, shakes up. And then there's guys like the I, I mentioned Keone Kella. Maybe he ends up being a guy who's going to be really good in the bullpen unexpectedly, like kind of the, the Pierce Johnson type. He could be really good. But I actually think that two guys I want to hone in on are Miguel Diaz and Chris Paddock. That's right, the sheriff himself. Believe it or not, I'm going to say some nice things about Chris Paddock. Firstly, though, let's talk about Miguel Diaz who is kind of a name that might not even make the team. He hasn't been amazing so far. He's only pitched three innings as a three ERA, and he hasn't had too many opportunities in spring training so far. So who knows if this guy will even make the team. But, you know, he was still pretty good. in when you look at 2018, he struck out 30 batters in 18 and two-thirds innings at a rate of 14.5 strikeouts per nine, which ranked fourth among relievers who threw at least 15 innings that season. Not too shabby. He's got a mid to upper 90s fastball, decent slider, decent changeup. And makes guys swing and miss. I mean, they can't touch his stuff when he was working in 2018 when you compare him to the rest of the guys on the Padres at 36% of the time swing and miss. So, you know, he's interesting. He's still 26 years old, which isn't too old. But the negatives, like I said, I'm not sure if he's totally going to make the team. And two... He struggles a little bit with control. He walks a whole lot of people, and we'll have to see if he's you know healthy enough to come back. It's been a while since he's really pitched at that kind of uh, interesting level. Uh, one of the reasons I want him to break out, and I'm not going to lie, maybe this is the influence for why I want to mention him in this potential breakout uh, point of the question, but it's because his name's Miguel Diaz. And for, if you guys don't know, I'm a huge fan of Cobra Kai, which is the best show ever, and Miguel Diaz is like the main character in that show. So I would love nothing more than to be able to brag about the two great Miguel Diaz as being things that I cherish deeply in life, one on the Padres and one on a Netflix TV show that is the epitome of ridiculous television right now. It's, it's up there with maybe Riverdale, maybe Riverdale, but I think it's a little bit more, I don't know, a little bit more polished than Riverdale based on what I've heard. Anyway, not to get down that whole rabbit hole, but um, the next guy I want to talk about I think is the biggest breakout potential guy would be Chris Paddock. The reason I, cho- I choose Paddock over Musgrove is because Musgrove is the new. And we all get tempted by the shiny new thing when it comes to teams, right? But we mustn't forget about Chris Paddock, who was awesome his rookie season and really fell back in 2020 with a 4.73 ERA. His whip was still okay, and he had some decent strikeout stuff, but he really did struggle. And I think that the most depressing thing about him last year was his game against the Cardinals. He was absolutely terrible, and the Cardinals barely hit any type of balls in any hard sort of fashion. So that wasn't good, right? But I still think that we're kind of maybe are we sleeping on the guy just a little bit because of all the shiny new toys that we got. We got Darvish. We got Snell. We got Musgrove. I actually think that Chris Paddock can outperform expectations quite a bunch this year. I think he can be one of the best four or five starters in the league. I'm sorry, one of the best four or five starters, as in like the fourth or fifth guy in the rotation this year. I think he's a super overqualified four or five. I really do. I think this guy is that type of person that teams are begging to have as their number two practically. So if I had to make a pick for the guy that is going to kind of have that breakout sleeper season, it would be Chris Paddock. Because to me, I think people are less... um, 
looking in his direction as compared to Musgrove, who everybody's kind of predicting based on the the metrics and his his last kind of moments with the Pirates that he's the guy that's going to break out. So I instead want to go the other direction. I'm going to zig while everybody else sags uh, and say Chris Paddock would probably be my pick for the next, the big breakout of the team this year. But it's hard to say. It's hard to say. This isn't as easy as last year because we saw all the breakouts last year. Everybody broke out of the Padres last year. Jake Cronenworth, I'd even mention him. He was probably the biggest sleeper heading into last season, but he wasn't even on the team until, like, you know, Jorge Mateo tested positive for COVID-19. So I'm not counting him necessarily, but I'm just saying, it's very hard to predict a breakout player on this team considering that literally everybody, even Tatis, broke out last year to an extent. So that's the whole thing there. Um, But nevertheless, guys... That is it for my 10 questions. Just to recap all the 10 questions that I have for the Padres heading into this season. Number one, how will Jake Cronenworth, Hassan Kim, and Jerickson Profar fit into the lineup? Number two, how much exactly is not having the DH going to suck? That was kind of the easiest question to answer. It's going to suck a whole lot, right? Uh, Number three, how far along is Mackenzie Gore and will he debut this season? Number four, can Chris Paddock add another pitch to his repertoire? Number five, are we sleeping on Trent Grisham somehow still? Number six, how healthy is Denelson Lament? Arguably the most important one I've mentioned uh, so far of these 10 questions. Uh, Number seven, can Austin Nola hold down the fort? Number eight, Are Will Myers and Eric Hosmer legit? Number nine, who's the closer for the team? And number 10, who's the potential sleeper on the team? My pick would probably be Chris Paddock or Miguel Diaz or Keone Kella or Hassan Kim, although all those guys naming four isn't quite as bold. I know it's not as exciting for me to name four separate guys as my sleeper picks for the team, but... I don't know what to say, guys. I don't know what to say. I don't know everything about what's going to happen. I think predictions are often a fool's job. It's a fool's mission to try predicting things about baseball, even if there are oftentimes uh, plenty of examples and evidence uh, statistically for things that could happen. Because after all, it is human beings playing the sport. And now let's start wrapping things up, guys. Firstly, let me mention to you that it's almost crossover Wednesday. That's right. It's tomorrow, actually, to be specific. Uh, Don't forget, Wednesday is Division Crossover Day across the entire MLB network, though, not just here. Um, Our podcast tomorrow is going to be with Locked On Giants, Mr. Ben Kaspik. Uh, It's going to be really fun. We're going to ask each other questions, talk about each team's uh, respective offseason, talk about the NL West, and we talked a little bit about the DH, because why not? Uh, And and Ben's views on kind of the, the rule changes that might be coming MLB's way. So tune in for that Wednesday for a special crossover edition of Lockdown Padres, but you could also check them out for every other team. There's crossovers all over the network. It's a really fun time, guys. Um, in terms of also the future of this podcast, I'm not totally sure what I'm doing on Friday just yet. I have some ideas uh, what we're going to do aside from just the, the usual spring training recap, but for Thursday's pod, we are talking with Kat Garcia, who is a freelance baseball writer. Check out Kat Garcia and then type in Fanside, and you'll find the piece we're talking about when it comes to baseball and in baseball radio, I should say, baseball on the radio. And it's a really fun talk, I think, and we'll kind of be a nice uh, shake-up from what we've been talking about this week when it comes to the Padres and stuff. But uh, that's really it, though, guys. With that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, wherever. Be sure to send me some five-star reviews on the Apple Podcasts app. I would greatly, greatly appreciate that. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.